movie. Mark chapter number 11, verse number 20. Uh, very unusual message for a Sunday morning, but I believe this is what the Lord laid on my heart to bring to you today. Mark chapter 11, verse number 20. The Bible says, And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. That's one of the hardest things for us to do sometimes, isn't it? When somebody does us wrong, we want to do them wrong. When somebody does us wrong, we have a spirit a lot of times of bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts. And don't be too quick to say that'll never happen because it very well could happen. I've been there and I've done that. But Jesus said, forgive. When you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, listen to verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. As I'm going to read for the second time this morning, may God add his blessing to the reading of the Word of God here today. And also, before I forget, we do have brand new prayer cards with us today. If you have not got one, please do uh, get one before you leave today. Faith. Faith. Faith is a genuine biblical subject. Faith, genuine faith, biblical faith. Pastor's already mentioned the word miracle. I believe that genuine biblical faith this morning is in fact a miracle of God. Faith in God is something we do not possess naturally. As a matter of fact, Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 8 simply tells us that faith is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. God enables us to believe in Him for salvation and then He gives every believer some measure of faith. Uh, that is, God empowers his children to believe in him, to serve him, to glorify him through the power of faith in him that he gives to each and every born-again believer. Amen. And this outworking of faith in God's people has allowed them to see demonstrations of God's power that sometimes absolutely boggles our minds. I've seen God perform some miraculous things, preacher, in my lifetime. As a matter of fact, uh, 28 years ago, he performed the greatest miracle of all when he saved Walter Terrell by the grace of Almighty God. Amen. That was a work of faith, amen. Right. I accepted him by faith. I, he gave me the gift of faith, and then he gave me the gift of salvation to believe in him. Having faith in God has allowed God's people to receive answers to prayers for things that seem impossible to the natural eye. They seem impossible to mankind. And let's look at some biblical examples of uh, faith in God. I think of Joshua. Uh, Joshua commanded the sun to stand still, and guess what happened? Israel defeated the Amorites. I think of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 38, King Hezekiah, what did he do? King Hezekiah was told that he would die. And all of a sudden, he prayed to the Lord. And what happened next? God added 15 more years to Hezekiah's life. I think of Abraham. Abraham was told to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, who was the son of promise. He obeyed God by faith. Abraham was a man of faith, amen. Abraham believed in faith. Abraham had faith. And by faith, Abraham uh, went to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, by faith. And God spared Isaac and provided a ram in the place of Isaac. But he obeyed God by faith. 
He had faith in God. He didn't have faith in the system. Hey, look up here. If you have faith in the system, the system's going to fail you. Amen? And we can see that all around us, especially now. We can see it all around us. And then I think of jo and Joshua. I think of a man by the name of Caleb, 85 years of age. Caleb, an old man now. He's 85 years old, and Caleb believed God for the power to defeat a mountain infested with giants. And guess what happened next? God gave Caleb that mountain, amen? God gave it to him. And then I think of a young boy by the name of David. And we're in 1 Samuel chapter 7. I love 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. That's why I was excited when the brother right here was teaching out of 1 Samuel. And let me say this, that was Bible teaching, amen. That wasn't opinion teaching. That wasn't some uh, red and rabbit kind of, that was good biblical teaching. I told, I told the pastor uh, coming back from the prayer room, I, we go to a lot of churches and uh, I just soon... I just soon go to a funeral home to hear some Sunday school teachers. Amen. Huh? Amen. I mean, they're monotone, dried up, and they want to give their opinion, and they want to chase the rabbit here and there, and they don't give you any biblical teaching. But, brother, I'm going to give you roses while you're living. That was some good biblical uh, teaching this morning. I loved it. Uh, but I think of young David, a shepherd boy on the backside of the desert. Uh, nobody knew his name. I mean, as a matter of fact, if you study it out, even when Samuel came to stand before, even when Samuel told uh, Jesse to line up all of your children, and the next thing you know, he asks, is all your children here? I mean, his own daddy didn't even give him enough credit, didn't even call him by name. All he said was, there remaineth yet the youngest. And he's out tending the sheep. Didn't he tell Samuel his name? But David told him who he was. Amen. And he said, my name is David. And hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Next thing you know what happened? Uh, David was anointed to be the future king of Israel because God knew who he was. God said, this is he. Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Amen. Hey, look up here, young people. David was probably 12 to 13 years of age, and he became young and anointed. Don't tell me God can't use you, young man. He can. My son was 16 when he announced his call to preach. And God's used that boy all over this country. I think he's been here two or three times. And matter of fact, I told him here a while back, you get to get more doors open than I do, we're going to have a problem, baby. Amen. I was just picking about that, though. I pray God give him a thousand doors open, a thousand souls saved. Hallelujah. But I think about young David, a young shepherd boy on the backside of nowhere. He believed in God, and he had the power to defeat a giant named Goliath, and God gave that young boy the victory. You know why? Because David had faith in God. That's what Jesus said here, have faith in God. And then I turn over to Daniel. I look at Daniel chapter 3 and I see three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you know what they did? They had faith in God. They believed God to keep them from the power of a pagan king and a fiery furnace. And you know what happened? When they got thrown in that fiery furnace, hallelujah, guess who was in there with them? It was, <laughs> it was God Almighty, amen. It was like the Son of God. And God met them in a furnace and protected them there. And there are many, many more examples of the power of biblical faith in God. I mean, you look at Hebrews chapter number 11. And I mean, that's the hall of faith right there. And, but these are enough to teach about the power of biblical faith. And the passage before us today uh, magnifies the power of biblical faith. Here we are. It was, if you study your Bible, it was on Monday morning of the Lord's Passion Week. As Jesus and his disciples walked toward Jerusalem, he cursed a fig tree. When they came by the next day, the fig tree is now dried up, never again to produce any more fruit. And Jesus used this experience to teach his disciples a lesson. What kind of lesson was it? He was teaching them a lesson about the power of biblical faith. The power of biblical faith. And when you and I exercise biblical faith in God and his promises, we can expect some amazing results. Amen? I mean, the key to that statement that I just made is biblical 
faith. Not worldly faith, not stupid faith, not ridiculous faith, not man-made faith, but biblical faith. A lot of people think that faith is a blank check to be filled out and cashed in according to our will and our desire, but that's the farthest thing from the truth. That's not faith. That's not faith at all. They believe they can ask God for anything they desire, and then God is obligated to do all that they ask. That's not what the Bible teaches. And I'm going to show you here in just a little bit. One of the great preachers of yesteryear by the name of Dr. Adrian Rogers. I love hearing that man teach and preach. Amen. He just, he was good. Amen. I love, I listen to him often, a lot of times. Adrian Rogers said, faith is not knowing God can. Faith is believing God will according to his will, not ours. You and I must exercise faith in God. And so today, with the help of the Lord for the next few minutes, I want to preach about the power of biblical faith. The power of biblical faith. I want to show you from these verses three things. I want to show you the object of biblical faith. I want to show you the opportunities of biblical faith. And lastly, I want to show you the obstacles that stand in the way of biblical faith. So let's look back in verse number 22 and we'll see, first of all, the object of biblical faith. The Bible says in verse number 22, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. When the disciples were amazed at the withered tree, Jesus simply said in verse number 22, and Jesus answered and saith unto them, have faith, in God. That simple. He just said, have faith in God. The object of biblical faith. The emphasis of that command is that God's people should have a deep, settled, consistent, ongoing confidence in a God who can. A God who is and a God who can and what God has said and what God will do. It speaks of a constant communion of prayer with Almighty God, dependence upon God, and obedience to God. When Jesus said, have faith in God, he is encouraging faith in several aspects of God's character. He said, have faith in God's person is when he said, have faith in God. If you are saved, guess what? God is your father. If you're saved by the grace of God, he is your spiritual heavenly father. Now, I made a statement a while back, and I, I, I recanted that statement and rewarded it. I used to say, Brother Keith, that not all people are God's children. But I started thinking about that thing. God created humankind, mankind, in the likeness of his image. And so I started thinking about it like this. Yes. Everybody's God's children, but not everybody's God's children by faith. Have faith in God. Yeah, we're all created in the image and likeness of God. But you must be born again. You must be saved by the grace of Almighty God if you'll get to heaven someday. Preacher already made mention, you're not going to stay here. You're either going to one or two places, heaven or hell. There's no in-between. There's no purgatory. There's nothing in-between, amen, according to the Bible. Not according to me, not according to the pastor, but according to God's holy word. And so, yes, everybody is God's children, but not all the God's children by faith. But when you become a child of the king, when you bow your head and you ask God to come into your heart and you ask God to save you and forgive you, and thank God you're saved by grace through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any should boast. And so when one gets saved by the grace of God, he becomes your heavenly father. And God, as your father, he cares about every need in your life, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And therefore, Jesus said, have faith in God's person. Because you see, in God's person, he does care for you. He invites you to bring your needs, your burdens, and your concerns to him. 
Why do we pray? Why do we care? Because he cares for us. I mean, you think about it. If God did not care for us, we wouldn't go to him when we're sick. If God didn't care for us, we would not go to him when we have a need in our life. If God did not care for us, we would not go to him when a family member goes astray. If God did not care for us, we would not go to him when a family member is hurting or going through a lot of bad storms in their life or when we go through storms ourselves. You know why we go to God? It's been simply because we have faith in God because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt based on the Bible, based on the authority of the Word of God, we have a God who cares and therefore we ought to have faith in God and in God's person. Jesus also said have faith in God. That's the power of biblical faith, having faith in God's person. He is the object. God is the object of biblical faith. What about having faith in God's promises? When it comes to the matter of faith and approaching God in prayer, the people of God have a lot of great precious promises. Amen? We certainly do. God invites us to pray to him. God promises to hear us when we pray as long as sin is not in our life. God promises to answer our prayers. When it comes to the promises of God, we have the Lord's guarantee that he'll keep his promises. Amen? I'm so glad that we serve a God who keeps every promise he's ever made. And let, let me let me lay something on out right here. You already know it, but it's a good reminder. That rainbow is made because of God's promises. But I know there's a group running around who took the rainbow. They didn't take it, amen. They didn't take it. They copied it. They copied it. As a matter of fact, they, didn't, they were so dumb they didn't even copy it right. God's rainbow has seven colors. Theirs has six. And there's, they don't even have, I don't, I don't think, I, I'm not 100% sure about this, that I don't even think they have a, a certain color in it because they said it represents God and they don't want to have anything to do with God. But what the immediates don't know is this. God made the rainbow. Hmm? Oh, I could preach on that all day long. <laughs> Let me run the rabbit. I... Children, young people, stick with God. Amen. Young man, you're not a cat. <laughs> young lady, you're not a dog. Young lady, you're not a monkey. I've seen a lot of people look like monkeys, but they're not monkeys, amen. I mean, come on, man. I was, I was preaching in a church in Virginia some time ago, and this is not in my notes, but I was preaching in a church in Virginia some time ago, and the Sunday school teacher got up, said his son went to Carroll County High School to the graduation, and he had to go to the bathroom. He goes in the boys' bathroom, and there's two kitty litter boxes in there. In the boys' bathroom. Because they identify as what they call furries. Furries. When I was growing up, we didn't have furries. We had some little scary looking animal, look like a Furby, I think is what they called it. Look like a gremlin, amen. But they're calling them themselves furries now. Do you think God made a mistake when he made you and I? Absolutely not. Look up here. You're not a mistake. You're not a furry. You're not anything else but a human being. Amen? And they'll even get on social media now and identify in a selfie furry. 
using those filters. And I, and I know they're all cute and stuff, and I get it, okay? I do. I get it. But if you ever see me on social media and I got rabbit ears, I'm not identifying as a rabbit. Matter of fact, preacher, if you'll look at my Guatemalan pictures, I'm standing behind one of those students. Guess what I'm doing to him? Giving him rabbit ears. Yeah, okay. Because, I mean, they thought I was just crazy and funny, and I am most of the time. Amen. But <laughs> he agreed. But, young man, be a man. Amen. Boys, grow up to be a man. Ladies, grow up to be a lady. Young girls, please grow up to be a, a young lady. Boys, please, if you're going to take a selfie, take a manly one. Don't get on our... I don't even feel right just doing that, amen. I just got under conviction just doing it. I mean, that's sissified. Uh, I mean, that's sissified, amen. I mean, you. Uh, when I was growing up, people did that. We throw them in the mud, amen. That's right, amen. Oh, I don't know how I got off on that, but I think we need to be reminded. God made men to be men. God made women to be women. And God didn't make you and I to be anything else except for that which he made us presently. Amen. You're not a cat. You're not a dog. You're not anything like that. You are a man or a woman, boy or a girl made in the image and likeness of him. God's not up in heaven looking like a furry. He's not up in heaven taking sissy selfies. No. <laughs> you can tell it's been a while since I preached on stuff like that. My father-in-law was going through some of his old stuff. He's been dead since 2018. Back then, selfies wasn't a thing. I think selfies actually became a thing maybe 2020, I think, maybe 21. That I'm guessing, I mean, it hadn't been that long. But when he died, we was going through some of his old stuff. And he used to have a camcorder. You know them big VCR camcorders? Kind that Noah had on the ark? Huh? He used to have a camcorder. And I was looking through his stuff. And all of a sudden, I busted out laughing. I said, Tammy, you got to see this. So what is it? I said, come here. She came in there and I turned my phone around because I was digitalizing all his uh, VHS tapes and all that. And he had the ability, those cameras had the ability to take a picture. And this picture was taken in 2007, I think. Well, he was video recording and he flipped the camera around and hit the button. He was taking selfies before selfies were cool. Huh? <laughs> I mean, it was so funny. I, I just... I just busted out laughing, but you know what? Uh, and there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff, okay? Nothing wrong with it at all. Just remember who God made you. Well, y'all done messed up my program. Power of biblical faith. God made us some great promises, amen? And let me tell you, those promises come from Almighty God. And we stand on a, we sing the song, standing on the promises of God. But friend, we sing it by faith. Because by faith, I stand on his promises. And let me tell you this. When God says something in the Word of God, we can have absolute faith that He will do what we ask. When we pray outside of the Word of God, we cannot pray in absolute faith because we do not know what God's will is in that matter of faith. Faith will always be and forever shall be based on a clear word from Almighty God and nothing else. What does the Bible say in Romans 10, 17? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hey, friend, we can have faith in anything and everything, but when you go to God in prayer, it better be based upon what his word said. We're going to get our prayers answered. And I know we're already thinking the thought, 
Well, didn't Jesus say, whatsoever you shall ask? In my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatsoever things you shall desire. Well, let me tell you, let me, let me explain that and clear it up because I used to believe this too. I used to believe that when Jesus said, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That means I can ask him for a car. I can ask him for money. I can ask him for uh, a girlfriend. Well, I did. She's sitting there now. But it, you know what? It was based on God's word. It was based on God's word. That means I could ask him for uh, a million dollars. That means I could ask him for something that I don't need. No. Look up here. God is not a genie in a bottle where you make three, rub the bottle and make three wishes. Huh? There was an old TV show used to be like that. What was that called? Thank you. I dream of genie. <clears throat> and they would rub that bottle. She'd come out and give three wishes, kind of like uh, Aladdin. You know, Aladdin rubbed that little th lamp, and here you come, you get three wishes, all that stuff. Yeah, all that's good make-believe stuff. Do you hear what I said? Make-believe stuff. God is not a genie in a bottle where you rub the Bible, and he comes out and get three wishes. No, no. Oh, my friend, let me tell you. i tell you this. Uh, God is a God of order. God is a God of divine, uh, 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 divine humility and all this stuff. God is holy. God is righteous. And if you're going to get something from God, it better be based on his word. Amen. I, I mentioned about praying for a girlfriend. You know what? The Bible did say that I'll make a help meet for him. I prayed for her. That was the Bible. God said, whatsoever your heart's desire. If our desire lines up with his desire, you got it. By faith, you'll have it. If it's something that's not according to the Bible, if it's something that's not according to God's will, you won't have it. That simple. Oh, that's a hard pill to swallow, I know. It's a hard truth. Hard truth. And I had to learn that the hard way. But the more I studied it, the more I figured it out. If I'm going to get things from God, then it have to line up with what his word says and what his will is for my life. And I know you got these prosperity preachers that say you do the will of God, and God, I believe God's will is for you to send me a thousand dollars, he'll bless you with ten dollars. Huh? That's not the will of God. That's not the will of God. The will of God is get saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And uh, I mean, there's just so much. You see the opportunities of biblical faith. I'm hurrying now. That was the that was the uh, object of biblical faith. What is the object of biblical faith? God. Simply having faith in a God who can, as long as it's in accordance to His will. Nothing else. And I believe this. I also believe sometimes God will give you what you want. Sometimes you're going to wish that you might not have asked God to give you what you want. Remember Israel? Brother was teaching about it. Israel, uh, God wanted to be their king. But the old, no, they didn't want God as their king. They wanted to be like all the other nations. And they said, give us Saul. We want Saul. And before you know it, guess what happened? God gave them exactly what they wanted, and they paid for it until David, even still today, even still today, it's a dangerous ground to walk on, friend. Huh? God gave them what they wanted. And now they're still paying for it. Even though David come along, they're still reaping the repercussions. Well, let me move on. We see the opportunities of biblical faith. Verse 23 through 24, I won't read it for the sake of time. But they allow us to believe the impossible. Uh, from Je where Jesus and his men were standing, they would be able to see the Mount of Olives in the Dead Sea. They were on top of a mountain. And, uh, and Jesus was giving them a very vivid illustration. He was also using a familiar Jewish proverb to teach them a deeply spiritual truth. 
The Jews commonly spoke of moving a mountain to refer to something that was absolutely impossible or to something that would be a long task. And there are so many situations in your life and mine it may seem hopeless. But friend of mine, let me tell you this. Uh, when things seem hopeless, have hope in God. Have faith in God. Hey, my friend, when it seems like all help is gone, I can rest assured you today, based on the authority of the Word of God, uh, help is on the way if you have faith in the Lord. That's the power of biblical faith. Amen. I can believe God for the salvation of the lost soul. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? We can have the faith to believe that God will save our soul. Thank God I did. Amen. Thank God I did. But it's a shame on my account. Shame on me. When I can have faith in God to believe that he saved my soul 29 years ago, almost this December, but I cannot have enough faith to believe he could save the next one. You ever heard somebody use the expression, they'll never get saved? Kind of like when I was growing up, they always said, I'll never amount to anything. How many has ever been told that before? You will never amount to anything. Oh, yeah, I got told that several times. Based on the world's view, I would never have amounted to anything the route that I was going. But thank God, I'm glad God took a nobody and made a somebody out of them. And now I'm trying to tell everybody about a somebody who can save their soul. Amen. Hot dog and Yahoo too goes right there. I'm telling you, a friend of mine, if you have faith in God, you can move mountains. Amen. Amen. Faith is that grain of mustard seed is what Jesus talked about. It allows us to it allows us to believe the impossible. And what may seem impossible with man is very possible with the Lord. That's the power of biblical faith. Thank God for the opportunities of biblical faith to allow us to believe the impossible. They allow us to receive the impossible. Jesus said that if we could believe him, we could ask, we could have what we ask for. And faith is, is a remarkable ability to enable us to hold in our hands the things that have yet to be seen. I asked for heaven when I got saved. Guess what? I haven't seen it, but I'm going to someday. What did Paul say? It's, it's as if I'm already there. Huh? Well, it allows us to receive the impossible. You know, Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word substance, it means this, foundation or that which uh, stands under something. That's what substance means. It means foundation. What are we standing on? We sing about it, don't we? Standing on the promises of God. Uh, faith is a substance. What is that substance? I believe that substance is every promise God gave his children in the Bible. Faith is the guarantee, the assurance that we will have the things that God promised us. And then it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is evidence? That means conviction. In other words, to put it in today's terms, that evidence is a smoking gun of faith. <clears throat> it is a smoking gun of faith. Faith allows us to hold in our hearts the things that have yet to appear, that which God has promised. Uh, the faith described in that amazing verse is the absolute God-given present confidence in a future reality. Thank God, friend, I know what my future holds based on the authority of the Word of God. I know that Christ is going to come back for me someday. Hallelujah, friend. And it could very well be today. In the next 10 minutes of time, Jesus Christ can come back that trumpet could sound, and by faith we're out of here. Only if you're saved. I believe in the future uh, return of Christ. I believe by faith in the future resurrection of the dead. Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And because he lives, thank God, I'm going to live forever. And those that's died in Christ, they're getting up out of that grave someday. Ain't no grave going to hold their body down, amen. I believe in our future glorification. First John 3 said, uh, 
Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope, this faith in him, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Thank God in one of these days, uh, we're going to reign with Jesus. Amen. We're going to reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.12 If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Revelation 22.5 They shall reign forever and ever. You know how long I'm going to live? I'm going to live as long as Christ lives. Uh, you know how long I'm going to live? I'm going to live as long as God lives. You know how long he's going to live? Forever, forever, forever. And by faith in the Son of God, we're going to live forever. If you're saved by the grace of God. Lastly today, we see the obstacles of biblical faith. I want to read these. Verse 23 through 26. Jesus said, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he saith. Therefore I say unto you what? things soever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have all against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. The obstacles of biblical faith. While Jesus points out the great object of faith and reminds them of the opportunities of faith, he also says, hey fellows, I got one more thing to tell you. There's going to be obstacles in your way. There will be obstacles when it comes to the power of biblical faith. While faith in God is a powerful thing, it allows you and I to experience incredible and receive the impossible. Believe me, that faith can be hindered. There are many other obstacles that, to prayer in the Bible that are not mentioned, but there are just three I want to focus on in these verses and I'll be done. Back in verse number 23, Jesus said, And shall not doubt in his heart. Unbelief and doubt is an obstacle. Unbelief and doubt is a deadly obstacle to effective prayer. That word doubt, it means to be divided in one's thinking, to hesitate, to draw back. When you and I pray from a heart of doubt, we're drawing back from the word of God. We're saying, God, I know what you said, but I do not believe what you said. That's what it's saying. God, I know what you said in your Bible, but I don't believe it. Doubt calls into question the very character and ability of, that God can. Doubt says this. Doubt says, God may have promised it, but I don't believe him, and I don't believe he can, and I don't believe he will. The prayer to doubter would never be answered. What did James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 say? It said, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. In other words, he, James said, when you doubt, it's like a wave. It's kind of like a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Then in verse 23 and 24, not only is doubt an obstacle of biblical faith, but selfishness is also an obstacle of biblical faith. You say, does Jesus mention selfishness? Not specifically, but he does make reference to selfishness. He says in verse 23 and 24, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. What is Jesus saying? What things soever you desire. You know what that word desire means? To ask, to beg, to call for, to request. It's Again, it sounds like a blank check to be written out according to our will and desire. It sounds like you could ask for anything and receive it. Let me remind you, this verse again says no such thing. There is not one single verse in the Bible that contradicts any other verse in the Bible. Hope you get where I'm going because I'm going somewhere and I want you to go with me. Listen to this. The Bible is very clear that answers to prayer 
blessings come when we pray according to the will of God. There it is. There it is. The obstacle of biblical faith is selfishness. Because a lot of times we want to pray for our own desires, our own things that's not lined up with God's Word. You say, you got Bible for that? I'm glad you asked that because I sure enough do. James 1, uh, I believe it's James, uh, no, not James 1. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And this is the confidence we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. For if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we desire to Him. Prayer must be based on what He wants, not what we want. John 14, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. When we pray in Jesus' name, we're not using a magical formula that guarantees the answer to our prayer. That's not a magical formula. We're not just to close our prayers by saying in Jesus' name and then believe that God will do whatever we tell him to do. To use the name of Jesus is to pray for the things that Jesus himself would pray for. You know why a lot of times we don't get our prayers answered? Because this very thing, the obstacle to biblical faith is selfishness, is doubt. You say, what do you mean by selfishness? Let me wrap it up right here, James 4, 3. James chapter 4, verse 3. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss. Why? That ye may consume it upon your own lusts. That's it. Joshua, Caleb, and all the others who received big answers to their prayers of faith did so because they were asking God for things that God had already promised them in his word. Does God ever answer the prayers of his children when they ask for things he hasn't explicitly promised? Yes, he does. He does. Example, my daughter's car was on its last leg. It was about ready to give up the ghost, so to speak. It was about ready to go under. It had, I think, 160-some thousand miles on it. So we started praying, and guess what? God worked it out. Because God knew she needed a way to get to work. I needed a way to drive to church, so I gave her a good deal and sold her mine. Amen. <laughs> got me another one. She got a great deal in that car. But we prayed about it, that God would work out. And you know what, preacher? I had to wait for God's answer on this because God didn't do it right away. This is, it just occurred to me this is another good example. And I promise you, I'm just about to wrap this thing up. Y'all don't have Sunday night service, do you? Okay, not tonight, he said. <laughs> we don't either, so. But, and I, 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 don't let that scare you. I promise I'm about ready to be done. Um, where was I even going with that? Oh, um, I had to pray about it. I seen this vehicle that I wanted. Did you hear that? I wanted. That I wanted. You have not. Because you asked not, you see it because you consumed it on your own lusts. God knew I couldn't afford that vehicle. But you know what he did, brother? He gave me something I could afford. I like it just as good as I did that big one. It's not as small as the one I sold my daughter. Thank God for that. I actually have leg room in this one. Hallelujah. You ever flown on a plane? You want to thank God for leg room when you get off that plane. Amen, sis? That's why I try my best to get a little bit of extra room. But I said, I'll let say this. I had to wait because God knew I needed something better to get to all the meetings that he's gave me. If I tried to walk over here this morning, I'd be here next Sunday for service. Amen? It takes an hour to drive, so imagine how long it would take me to walk. <laughs> and so God knows exactly what we need when we need it. Well, that might have been a poor uh, example, but I thought it was good at the time. <laughs> Last of all, verse 25 through 26, the obstacle to biblical prayer or biblical faith, the power of having biblical faith, there's one more obstacle to it. What do you think it is in verse number 26, 25 and 26? Unforgiveness. Jesus said it. 
He said, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught or anything against any. Then he says in verse 26, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Jesus commands his disciples to forgive those who have wronged them. Look up here. We've all played that somebody done me wrong song before. I have, you have. We all have. I've got people right now, brother, in the ministry that has done me wrong. And it's made me mad. That Viking blood and that Native American blood came a-boiling up. I was ready to put a bow and arrow through them and an axe and scalp their head. Amen. Made me mad. But you know what? I had to forgive them. I had to forgive them. Because if I still held bitterness in my heart against them, a brother in Christ, a preacher, a man of God on top of that, my prayers would be hindered. The faith that I would have would be no good, according to the Bible. And so, on the surface, there seems to be no connection between faith and unforgiveness. But I think the connection is found in the matter of prayer. Jesus, as, uh, just as faith connects us to God and enables our prayers to get through, unforgiveness stands as a barrier, a wall between us and the Lord. An unforgiving spirit puts you and I at odds with Almighty God. He has forgiveness of our sins, and he expects us to forgive others of their sins. What did Ephesians 4.32 says? Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Look up here. If God's God enough to forgive you, you ought to be godly enough to forgive one another. And I say I'm preaching to me as well when I say that. So as I close today, let me say this. Biblical faith is a powerful weapon. Mountains yield to the power of biblical faith. Sin, Satan, and sorrow all must bow before biblical faith's authority. Notice I keep emphasizing the word biblical faith. Not man-made faith. Biblical, Bible faith. Faith is among the greatest of God's gift to his children. In light of what you and I have heard today, let me ask you a question. How is your faith? How is your faith? Are you walking in faith, believing God for the unseen? Are you looking to Him to move some mountains in your life? Are you seeking God's will for every situation that you face? In fact, the scribes you the child of God, keep on a praying. Keep a trusting, because in His time, He will bring it to pass in your life. Does your faith need work? Let me say the Lord is here to strengthen that faith. If only you'll ask him. Have you been demanding things from God? I've seen, we used to have prayer meetings at a former church I was at. And I listened to this preacher and, and, and other people. And I got caught up in it myself. They were beating and a begging and a pounding the altar and pounding on the Bible. God give me this. God, give me that. We don't demand God to do anything. We don't command God to do anything. We ask God by faith. And one more question. Have you trusted God by faith for your soul's salvation? Where will you spend eternity when you die? That's the most important question of them all today. Where are you going to go when you die? If Jesus comes back in the next five minutes, will you be gone or be left alone? That choice is yours. He's not going to force his will upon your life to be saved. But if you got faith to believe that he'll save you, guess what? According to the Bible, he will. All it takes is a little faith to believe he'll save you. And he will. If you ask for forgiveness, he'll come to your heart and save you, and that's it. I know it sounds like easy believism, but I promise you it's not easy believism, but it is easy to get saved. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed, all the house of God. I'm finished this morning. If the pianists will come.
and uh, begin to play uh, something softly. Song leader is coming as well. Let me ask you a question while nobody's looking but me and the Lord. Have you been saved? Has there been a time in your life you trusted God by faith and asked Christ to come into your heart by faith and forgive you of your sins and by faith you believe and you know you're saved? You know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're born again. Now listen, don't raise your hand if you don't know it because man looks on the outward appearance. You can please people all the time. You can fool people all the time, but you can't fool God because God looks on the heart. He knows exactly what's happening in your life and in your heart. He knows whether or not you're saved. So let me ask you, have you by faith received Christ as your Savior? If you have, lift your hand up high. Just acknowledge it this morning. If you've ever received Christ as your Savior by faith, you know you're going to heaven when you die. Okay, you can put your hands down. Praise the Lord for those that raised their hand. There were a few that could not raise their hand. I thank God for your honesty. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you that. But let me pray for you. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ by faith to save you. Maybe you're confused about it. I don't know. Let me tell you, friend, the devil's the author of confusion. You just need somebody to pray for you. You say, Brother Walter, pray for me. I don't know that I'm saved. Would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you. Be anybody like that anywhere? I see that hand. Thank you so much. Be somebody else here this morning. Brother Walter, I'm not saved. Pray for me. I'll get saved before it's too late. Anybody else like that anywhere? Friend of mine, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. You're not promised the next five minutes of time. No matter how young you are, how old you are, you could fall over dead right there where you're sitting. And when you fall over dead, you faced eternity. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anybody else this morning? Brother Walter, I need to be saved. Pray for me. I'll get saved before it's too late. Anyone else? I'll tell you what, was, what we're going to do now. If you want to be saved, my prayer cannot save you. It must be you doing the work, you doing the business with God. It must be you coming forth and asking God to save you by his grace and by faith believe in him. So if you're here this morning, I promise I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you, but my prayer cannot save you. If you're here this morning, you won't be saved. Why don't you come to this altar? If you're a young lady, we'll let, let the pastor's wife or maybe one of these other uh, ladies pray with you. If you're a young man, we'll have the pastor, maybe one of these other men come pray with you. But whatever the case may be, please come as we begin to sing. See, this what song we got. <laughs> 